the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. I'm your host, Nick DeGilio. How are you? We are with Radio Misfits Podcast Network. That's what you are listening to right now, and that's what you are lucky enough to listen to. Radio uh, Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world, filled with great and varied and entertaining and informative and funny and awesome and dramatic and mysterious and terrific podcasts. You can also listen to us 24-7 for free on our streaming service that you need to check out. Great programming. It's like radio, only much cooler. A lot of really cool music that you've never heard before from the Unheard Music Show and so much more. Uh, lots of great episodes of these podcasts uh, that are running 24-7 for free. Radiomisfits.live. Radiomisfits.live. You can hear this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, daily at 3 p.m. Central. And you can hear my other podcast, All About Saturday Night Live. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast, every day at 9 a.m. Central. So check it out, Radiomisfits.live. All right. All right. It's episode number 201. Episode 200 was fun. Big celebration. We reached the great milestone of 200. My thanks to everybody uh, who listens and everybody who's involved in the podcast, especially Ed Silla uh, at RadioMisfits.com and my man Jason Skaggs, who does all the technical uh, sounds and the music and the themes and the weirdness and the audio stuff. And, of course, to Esmeralda Leon, my partner in crime. So we're starting off. We're over that hump of 200 and can continue on and on and on and on. We hope that you continue to be with us to please take the time to rate and review us on platforms and share and tell everybody and click on yes and yes and click and yes and and support us and do all that cool stuff. And please, if you want to be a a sponsor, if you want to advertise with us, a lot of people listen to this podcast. We've been around a long time. People know this podcast. People respond to it. So you should sponsor us. You should be a, a sponsor on our podcast, and you should absolutely advertise with us. So do that. Drop us a note. Say, hey, I want to advertise on the Nick D podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Let's get that going. Be a sponsor. You want to be a part of the podcast in general? Uh, there's a voicemail line that's open for you, for everyone who listens, for the subscribers, to the people who love the show, to the people who have issues with the podcast, whatever. We want to hear from you. I love to hear from you. I listen to every single voicemail that is left here, and I read every single email uh, and read a lot of them on the podcast and listen to a lot of them, too. So voicemail message 24-7, anytime you want, 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. That's all the tech stuff. Hey, be a sponsor with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Drop us an email and drop us a text anytime you want, or drop us a uh, voicemail anytime you want. Coming up on this episode, number 201, it's our good friend Dan Feinberg. Uh, we had, um, uh, uh, we, were, we, we, we were off one week uh, due to some personal stuff that, uh, that was happening in, in my life, personally. Uh, some stuff was happening, so we had to actually cancel one recording. Uh, working on some stuff right now. Uh, for people who might not know, you know I share everything that's happening in my life. There's uh, some... Some uh, some some weird things that are happening right now uh, in my within within my family that I'm dealing with, uh, and because the podcast world is, um, you're able to actually 
um, be a little bit more flexible in your recording and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, when I was on the radio, when I would have to be on the radio at a very specific time during the day or night, you know, uh, here doing the podcast, one of the great things about it is the flexibility of it. So, um, something happened within my family that is being, you know, that we're dealing with right now. It's a little tense and a little weird right now in within my family. Um, but we're dealing with it and I'm dealing with it in the way that I best know how, and that is dealing with it and also doing what I love to do and talking to the people that I love to talk to and entertaining you. And that's what I love to do. I love to do my podcast. So I'm going to continue to do that, but you know, flexibility is in, is in, uh, is in order right now. So we have to do that. So anyway, Dan hasn't been on for a few weeks. He's usually on every other uh, uh, Tuesday. We talk to Dan Feinberg. Uh, Dan Feinberg is our TV guy. He is with The Hollywood Reporter. He has the website and the blog, The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, because that's how he spells his last name. He is the best, most knowledgeable, and most thorough TV uh, critic and TV guy in the world. So we love to talk TV with Dan Feinberg, so he's going to be here. The great Esmeralda Leon is going to join me for our regular hanging out feature. We're still going to talk about dumb people and dumb warnings. We'll get to that. But we like to uh, just hang out and talk. So the great Esmeralda Leon will be here. I always have fun with her. My dad's going to stop by uh, and, uh, and tell a joke. So that'll be coming up as well. So all the regular features and all the greatness uh, with Dan Feinberg coming up to talk TV. And, of course, we wouldn't uh, have a, an episode without Hi, this. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Jerry, Carrie Russell is here. She's hanging out on the back Hi, porch. Hi, I'm Carrie ah, Russell, yes. and I love Nick's show. Dan Feinberg and I are going to talk about TV, and obviously one of the big TV uh, stories that we're going to talk about, um, huge. You can't talk about TV at this time right now uh, you know, with the most recent uh, uh, death, and that would be of uh, Norman Lear. So clearly we're going to talk Norman Lear and all kinds of new TV to catch up on. So TV time with Dan Feinberg, fun time with Esmeralda Leon, joke from my dad. That's what's happening on episode number 201 of the Nick D podcast. We thank you for subscribing. We thank you for listening. Give us a chance on, uh, on, uh, on, 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 on everything else. And, uh, and, all, and there you go. And you, what you should also do is you should read a book, and you should read a specific book. And I've been talking about this book now for, uh, for a couple of months, um, and it's fantastic, and you should get it. And, uh, you know, uh, this, is, uh, this is one of our sponsors, so you should check it out. Brian Alaspa, good dude, good writer. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up, because Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspa's Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. 
You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. Dan Feinberg, uh, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter and the man who runs The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, because that's how he spells his last name, The Fine Print. And uh, we're talking TV, and uh, we missed the last regularly scheduled outing, but we're here now, and we're ready to catch up and talk about a lot of TV, and here's Dan. Hi, Dan. What's up, Nick? Glad to be glad to be chatting with you again. Yeah, same here. Always a pleasure. Always a blast. Please tell everybody about the fine print and uh, and uh, you know you can read your stuff at the Hollywood Reporter, HollywoodReporter.com, and of course about TV's top five, which is your fantastic podcast. Tell everybody about that first. Indeed. Uh, so yes, uh, TV's Top 5 is is my fantastic podcast. It's a podcast I do with Leslie Goldberg, my colleague from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, we talk about all of the stuff that's new in the week of television. Uh, I do reviews and critical type stuff. She does reportorial stuff. We tend to have guests on uh, for a long time. Most of the stuff we did was strike related, but now we are kind of back into the swing of things with showrunner type guests. We had Chuck Lorre on a couple weeks ago to talk about the state of the biz, as well as his new Max show, which I haven't seen a single human being say a single word about. So mm. I can only assume that's what the buzz on that one has been. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and so uh, this past week, this past week was our fifth anniversary. And so we had wow. one of our favorite guests, uh, Mike Royce, who is co-creator of the most, the recent One Day at a Time remake and uh, executive producer on Everybody Loves Raymond, other various things. So he came on and he talked about state of the industry stuff. And then also, uh, and I assume we're about to talk about this fairly yeah. soon as well. He talked yeah. about his experiences and his time working with the great Norman Lear on right. one day at a time. So right. uh, he was he was a very good sport coming in and doing two segments with us last week. But that is TV's top five. You can download it or subscribe wherever your podcasts are found. TV's top five. Make sure you check it out. And all of this stuff, uh, if you just, as I mentioned all the time, you should check out The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, and all that's connected there. Hey, congratulations on five years. That's great, man. Yeah, you know, uh, (laughs) podcasts are a fickle, fickle thing, and five years is a good number. We're we're comfortably over 200 episodes at this point. We, you know, when we go back through our records and we see some of the conversations we had four and a half years ago. It seems like they were a million years ago. It it turns out to have been a, a rather busy five years in terms of the world. And so, yeah, yeah, it either, it either feels, it either feels like we launched the podcast two weeks ago or else we launched it 50 years ago. And I I can't tell you which. So I understand. I understand. I just, by the way, this is uh, you are now appearing on episode number 201. 
nice. of, of my podcast. Uh, the last episode, we celebrated 200. I played a whole bunch of clips from celebrity interviews of the past, and we did a whole bunch of fun stuff. But yeah, 200. We hit 200, so it's fun. 201. It's, wow. It's, this is number 201 that you are on, and this is and it's nice to hit a milestone in the podcast world and. And five years is certainly impressive, man. That's great. Congrats. Oh, for sure. And 200 is uh, impressive as well. Congratulations. Helps helps to do it a couple times a week if it's you want exact. to add up the numbers, to be exactly. sure. Yes, twice a week is much better. And we've had like live episodes here and there that are added, so we get bonus episodes every once in a while. So we got to 200 a little bit quicker than some people do, so who do the once a week thing. But anyway, TV's Top 5, make sure you check it out. Now, you mentioned this, and before we get, we have a lot of TV to talk about. There's new reviews and some stuff that we need to catch up on. Um, your last appearance, we had to skip because for personal reasons, which I've told people about. Um, but we're back, and we have to catch up on certain things. But I, we, we really have to lead with uh, what you just mentioned. Um, you got to talk to Mike Royce, who worked with the great Norman Lear on the reboot of One Day at a Time, which, by the way, for people who, you know, when you hear, when you hear us say reboot of something, you immediately have like a negative connotation, but the reboot of One Day at a Time is terrific. It was a terrific, terrific show. It absolutely is. I use it as as one of my examples of times that reboots actually have a purpose for existing. And of course, a major reason why it was as good as it was is because Norman Lear, while not the creator of the reboot uh, or the showrunner or anything like that, had a, had a direct involvement and also the people who created the show, Mike Royce again and Gloria calderon Kellett, just had so much respect for for Norman Lear and what the, the Norman Lear ethos was. And so you can you can really tell it if you watch it. The, the first three seasons of it are all on Netflix, and the fourth season is kind of lost to the world because of the nature of television. It got renewed for a fourth season on pop, uh, yeah. but at the same time, it then got delayed and finally truncated by COVID, and so it ultimately ended up, I think, being a seven-episode fourth season and Mm -hmm. because pop doesn't have uh well at this point pop barely exists but because pop doesn't have a clear streaming distribution hub those episodes are just kind of floating around so strange world (laughs) i've talked to uh steven tobolowski who has become a friend over the years and his um experience you know working on that show and working you know with norman lear who was a lot more hands-on than think than people think he was uh during that show uh, has nothing but amazing things to say about the experience of working on the show and how gratifying it was and how great it was. And so from from a performer's point of view, Tobo says that he had a, a magnificent time working on uh, One Day at a Time. Yeah, it definitely does sound like his involvement was not insignificant. It, yeah. You know, you, yeah. you, think, you think, well, I mean, among other things, you think that the guy was... 97 to 101 (laughs) over the time that the show was being made but also you think he was kind of the symbolic executive producer but on on tv's top five last week mike rose was talking about kind of active disagreements with with uh norman lear and and kind of the negotiations creative negotiations that had to be underway and all of those things that don't happen if you're dealing with someone who's uh just a a symbolic executive producer so well i mean that's consistent with his his persona in the years. I mean, you know, like arguments and confrontations and stuff like that were commonplace, you know, when he was trying to change the face of television back in the seventies. And, um, you know, he had a lot of, he had a lot of people, you know, that he had, to, he had a lot of things that he had to deal with at that time. Uh, but anyway, so you wrote it a critical appreciation of, of, of Norman Lear. Um, and you know, we can't talk TV, um, you know, without acknowledging this guy, even on a regular basis, but now since he passed away, he was 101 years old and he had, didn't he have, uh, he had stuff lined up to do, right? Oh, when, I mean, he's, he was, been, 
he's he been still, in active he's still development working, on right? multiple shows for sure. Yeah. And he also uh, he's he's had regular columns published in various different publications over the years. You know, he's had multiple. You know, he's he's always been a democracy advocate, and so he's always taken a, a very direct interest in people voting and in the process and in protecting our <laughs> protecting our government from certain things and people and you know etc uh and so he's he's been a regular columnist in places like thr variety etc he's he was he had a couple years where he was on the road doing speeches with a replica of the declaration of independence Amazing. um he's it, no he he you you cannot get more value out of 101 years than Norman Lear got out of his 101 years. Yeah. And if you, and if you can, we know what those people look like because they were Norman Lear's best friends. So we're talking Mel Brooks, hell of a lot of value over his nearing 100 years. Uh, yeah. Carl Reiner, hell of a lot of value over those years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there must be something to being a particular, a particular type of funny individual that, that makes the heart young or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, about Norman Lear. You know, um, um, you wrote a, a, a really nice piece about him. Uh, you know, what what was your take? What's your take on on on, on Norman Lear? And, and tell give everybody kind of a summation of what you wrote in Hollywood Reporter. My take on Norman Lear is that there is no version of television as we understand it right now without Norman Lear, and there aren't that many people about whom you can say that. If you look at the if you. If you make the proverbial, because it's what people do on podcasts and whatnot, Mount Rushmore of television, Norman Lear is on it. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's a three-person uh, Mount Rushmore. It doesn't matter if it's a five-person Mount Rushmore. And then you can kind of debate who other people are, whether it's... Uh, um, you know, probably Lucille Ball is on it, et cetera, et cetera. Rod Serling is probably on it, et cetera. Yeah. So, but anyway, th the idea of what television and what television comedy could be and how we look at it now comes from the shows that Norman Lear was making in the 70s, starting with All in the Family, obviously, but going on to all of the various, your Sanford and Sons, your Jeffersons, your Good Times, uh, Maud, etc. And so on one hand, it's the very specific topical things, the ways he treated race, uh, the Maud abortion episode, etc. Those things are easy to put your finger on, but it's much more a willingness to be involved in these conversations and to say this is a role that television and television comedy can and should have. And it isn't like he was the first one to say TV comedy can push the edge of the envelope, et cetera. You know, Laugh-In predates his shows, et cetera. Yeah. And that was a show that was aggressively political and and dangerously so. Right. Um, but the, the kind of genius of Norman Lear is... It can always be pointed to in the simple idea that a large percentage of the United States watched All in the Family because they were sure that Archie Bunker was the hero of that show. Yeah. And that, to me, is such a tribute because I don't know that anyone today is doing that, that they have the ability to say, this is a person who is a, who's a dinosaur, who's an outmoded buffoon, who is absolutely the, the target of the jokes, 
And yet the people who shared exactly the feelings that Archie Bunker had at the time didn't feel as if they were being yeah. criticized, mocked, harangued, whatever you want to say. Yeah. They felt as if maybe this was a character who was getting in his two cents. This was a character whose opinion was being heard, even if it was being mocked by the show itself. There's a, there's a genius to the way that he made the discourse flow that a lot of the shows today that try to be political can't necessarily do, or if they can, the only reason why they can is because they followed the Norman Lear playbook. So, yeah. Yeah. and and you look at all of the actors who came through all of these shows and it's it's too many to count. It's, it's just one great after another. And there's a reason why these shows are still funny today is because Norman Lear was incredibly funny. And, and he had this thing where he had however long where he was the most important person in all of television, period, full stop. Then he had a long, long time where he was producing dozens upon dozens of shows that that people don't necessarily associate with him because they were produced by his production company, but not necessarily by him. So something like Facts of Life or Who's the Boss, these are shows that Norman Lear had his, his fingerprints on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kept going and he kept going and he kept advocating for the things that mattered to him. And he kept nurturing the younger voices. You know, you look at someone like uh, Gerard Carmichael or someone like uh, Rami Youssef. These are people who completely and totally know that the reason why they're able to make the shows they can make now is Norman Lear and they respect him. And in a business where history is at such a premium because the present moves by so fast that something that was on two years ago feels like it's historical. For people to actually still be treasuring Norman Lear and what he meant in 2023 is is just a is the biggest tribute of all. And and he yeah. knew that and he used his platform for endless kinds of good. And yeah. And and yeah and 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 you know uh, just not just in in the in the world of TV but a lot in the world of TV but you mentioned like in politics this guy made a stand he 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 got people involved um, people who loved his TV shows or people who just loved him in general would listen to him um, and it, it it's it's you know what he did for television obviously is historical and legendary but just in just for the world in general this guy made a difference in the world not just TV but in the world as you mentioned you know. Absolutely, both both in the direct sense and in the sense that television can help shape the world. Yeah. Both of those, yeah. both of those senses, um, and he he saw it as his responsibility. And and so many showrunners and and creators don't see that kind of impact as being either a thing that they can necessarily achieve yeah. or that they want to. And and he did. And. Uh, yeah, the, the, none of none of this stuff that I that I do and that I treasure so much and that you do and that you treasure so much would exist without him and his impl- influence. And, and that's not overstating it. That's not hyperbole. Nope. It's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, by the way, if you hear noise in the background, uh, my radiators have just kicked in. So I just thought I would. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Lovely. Living in a, a, an older apartment in Chicago during the during the uh, late fall uh, is always nice. So anyway, uh, in case people are like, what is that? in the background that's me it's my radiator i'm 10 feet away from one right now so anyway um but normally some of the other stuff that uh, that i wanted to talk a little bit about i want to do, i want to get into some of the shows too just some of the some of the great shows and some of the episodes and things like that but um i remember back in the 70s 
Um, and I, re- I remember this being a thing, um, and I, I was probably about 12 when it happened, 11 or 12 when it started to, to happen. But there was that when they tried to, to do this thing called the family hour. Um, yeah, you're already laughing. <laughs> One, it was two hours. It was between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m., at least here in Central Time Zone, if I remember. Uh, and, and people were upset about the content, the, the stuff that was happening on television. They wanted to do a family hour where you could sit down in front of the family. And Norman Lear, and I remember Carol O'Connor being very vocal about it. For people who might not remember the family hour, what the intent was and how stupid it was of an idea – and then how Norman Lear really led the fight against it. See, I'm not you. You probably know significantly more than I do on this one, honestly. So, okay. I, I'm happy to let you. <laughs> oh, all I know is that I remember that there was the content. This is like right at right at the time when the Norman Lear shows were really starting to hit their stride. Um, and there were a lot. It was this is you know I mean Maud was on at this point. Sanford Son was on at this point. All the all the shows that took on race and politics in the way that Norman Lear shows took on race and politics. And sometimes they would be very edgy. And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is around 75 or 76, and I don't remember whether at that time soap had just started. Um, I just remember that people were, quote-unquote, appalled by the stuff that you were seeing on primetime TV, and they tried to put a stop to it. So they started this thing that, would, that could only be cloaked in some sort of like, oh, it's family hour, but it was essentially censorship. And I remember Norman Lear and, uh, and Carol O'Connor and Alan Alda from MASH. I remember Alan Alda. Maybe it was just CBS people at that time. Uh, all did a press conference. I remember watching it when I was a kid and them saying this is completely unfair and it's stupid. And then they reversed it. Uh, and luckily the family hour was stopped. I don't know how long it existed. But I remember there was this attempt to censor or taper off some of the more political and challenging things that were happening on TV by this stupid idea of doing a family hour. It, well, um, it was an it was an extension of and and to some degree some amount of this already you know still continues to exist. It's it's basically yeah. it was an FCC guideline and it was an FCC guideline restricting content. And if you and it's the exact same thing that people file FCC complaints today about broadcast television for things that air between eight o'clock and and ten o'clock. And yeah. then there are there are kind of loose gentlemen's agreements on what you can get away with uh, in the 10 p.m. hour. Right. It's and it's all and this was this was it was more ideologically driven as opposed to here are the words you can't say here. You know, yeah. you here's yeah. the side boob you can't show or whatever right. it is. And, and, and also, by the way, and I, I don't mean to interrupt. I want to get back to it. But there were only three networks at the time. There were three channels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So it, it was a much bigger deal because that was all you had. You know, it was a much bigger deal and it was it was much more. A lot of it had to do with kind of the growing pains of television trying to figure out what its position was in the landscape. Yeah, and true, it was true. a lot easier for organizations like the FCC to be cavalier when what was showing in primetime was the Brady Bunch or whatever. And when it became something that was topical in a way that bordered on controversial or was controversial, there there were concerns. And so um, there there were restrictions that were put on, and this was only for the 8 p.m. hour. And so, right. it, so it was basically, it was taking something that already existed and tightening it, making it more restrictive in the first hour. Um, ultimately, I think it, I think it was like a year and a half that it existed as a, as a thing. And I'm not even completely sure what it's specific tangible restrictions were but it was definitely a thing that that Norman Lear made clear was not a thing that he wanted to do and you know invoking the first amendment and the fact yep. that this was a government organization that was attempting to stifle what he was able to say 
Right. Um, he he kept that from being a thing, and so you know, not like suddenly television became uh, vastly edgier in the early eighties or anything as a result no, of the lifting yeah. of this. So yeah, it, it was obviously something like that down the road helped mm -hmm. change or shift mm -hmm. what was on broadcast television. So what are some, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the abortion episode with Maude, which I'm, you know, is, is legendary and so many of the episodes of, uh, of all in the family. Now you personally, when you were a kid as a TV, you know, obviously a TV fan and stuff like that, when did you become aware? Uh, cause you're, you're a little bit younger than I am. Uh, so, I mean, I, I was aware of Norman Lear when his stuff started, I was very, very, very young, but I remember it. Did you, when did you become aware of Norman Lear? And as a TV, you know, historian and, and aficionado, when did your appreciation of Norman Lear come come to be? It, it, uh, definitely, there was a gap between those two. Definitely, my awareness was not a named awareness. It was whatever mm. was in syndication at the time, and I'm pretty sure that Sanford and Son would have been the Sanford and Son singular would have been the thing that was most pervasively on. Yeah. in syndication at the I time that I watched that <laughs> I, was that I, felt like it was everywhere and yeah, I could yeah. appreciate it it was hard not to Red Fox brilliant yep. you know you, yep. you could get that um I think probably actual you know Norman Lear as Norman Lear it would have been you know probably college or grad school probably would have been you know late 90s yeah. at some point sort of putting putting together the connection of okay all of these shows are linked together all of these shows are important, and here is the name that is atop all of them. And, you know, I I still have, I have large gaps in my viewing of all of those 70s Norman Lear shows. I feel like I've seen mostly kind of the, the standout representative episodes much more than I've seen. It, a lot like when people think of the Saturday Night Live episodes from the 70s and 80s, they remember the two or three sketches per season or episode that are the big ones and then everything else goes onto the wayside. I don't know what a run of the mill episode of All in the Family looked like and there were hundreds of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know, so at some point I need all the time in the world to just sit down and and do a episode one to the finale rewatch of All in the Family. But it's it's just that it is so clear what the through line is culturally that goes back to all in the family and and to what good times did that no show had done before in terms of african-american representation etc you know you can always it's just easy to go back and look at the mod abortion episode or whatever and yeah and and so it's just the it's the blessing of the people who have been so quick to acknowledge norman lear over the years and and the fact that this is a guy who who never said, okay, I've had my run in the spotlight. Now I'm just going to go off and I'm going to enjoy my last 20 years in, in silence. It, you know, guy must have been on, on 20 Television Critics Association panels over the years. And, you know, over the years, those rooms would always be full because you would want to hear what Norman Lear said at any given moment. It's, uh, yeah, just, just a remarkable figure in, in the industry's history. Yeah. Are there any... Uh, showrunners, you know, because obviously everybody who who is a producer, an executive producer, a creator of television or anything like that owes a massive, massive debt to Norman Lear. Uh, are there any modern day people who are show creators and showrunners who can kind of like, you know, at least be, yeah, this this person is, you know, in the same sort of category as Norman Lear? Would you think like a David Simon? Would somebody be something like that, or you know, like I think a that, I think that Vince David Gilligan Simon or I think David Simon is in 
a a different category because you know David Simon obviously influential but because David Simon's shows as a rule have been very low rated let's just say that in oh, the nicest true. way you know he's true. done his yeah. shows on HBO yeah. and so yeah, the fact yeah. that the wire was on the HBO and was watched by a couple million people at a time, the fact that it was never an Emmy uh, show at all, it, yeah. it changes what the what the influence is. And so True. as much as I True. love David Simon, it's yeah. not the same kind of thing. Someone True. like someone like Stephen Bochco, uh, you uh, know, late Stephen Bochco would have been would, would have been closer because yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, in the eighties, the Stephen Bochco shows were they shaped they uh, similar, not not yeah. not maybe yeah. to the same degree yeah. because I got, yeah. But yeah. I think so. I think Stephen Bochco, Dick Wolf, has, then Dick Wolf, I think maybe D- Dick Wolf, Dick Wolf in a different way. And I would say that you know I don't know that we know what the legacy of Dick Wolf and those shows are going to be on an ideological level. And I think yeah. that I think we're still grappling with that. I think we're still grappling with the idea of propaganda and what it does or doesn't mean, and how the Law and Order shows do or don't fit into that archetype. Right. Um, but in terms of how they've codified a certain version of the procedural. I think that Dick Wolf has that influence. I think that uh, that on a more, you know, not it, it's a it's a smaller level because TV is so diffuse at this point, and there's just no. It's the difference between monoculture and and the fragmented culture that we live in today. Yeah. Look, I, Ryan Murphy annoys the hell out of me, and I will never oh, over yeah. praise Ryan Murphy. But Ryan Murphy has has in many ways taken on a mantle of progressive storytelling and whatever you want to say, he's tried to do those things. Shonda Rhimes has taken on similar mantles and also has, um, has changed the idea of what a woman with power and a, and a black woman with power can do in the industry. So I think those are, I think those are examples that are sort of more obvious because like someone, someone who I, you know, Vince Gilligan, I love, but I don't think even Vince Gilligan would tell you that Vince Gilligan's influence was anywhere near that level. So it's, it's just hard. You know, look, Chuck Lorre, um, Chuck Lorre loses points because Chuck Lorre only decided he wanted to be, somewhat more ideological and topical later in life. And you look at some of his shows, you look at something like Mom, you look at Bob Hart's Abishola with its focus on immigration. Uh, There there are things that he wants to do now that maybe he didn't when he was at his most powerful. And maybe if he'd wanted to do those things when he was at his most powerful, his influence would would be greater. But I think he has some of the same... DNA, uh, but yeah, no, no, but no one is going to reach exactly that mm. level. I just don't think you. Yeah. I don't think you can. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, it's done this uh, quickly though. Uh, I have to say that one of my favorite episodes of All in the Family, one of my favorite episodes of television ever, was uh, an episode in which um, Gloria and Mike and Archie and Edith are out to dinner. And they are recalling what just happened at the house when um, they needed a refrigerator repaired. Um, and uh, the repairman came, and his uh, his partner was played by Ron Glass. And uh, at the dinner, they each tell their version of the story of what happened. Um, and so Archie's version, you know, the, the Ron Glass has a switchblade. He's wearing a leather jacket, and, you know, 
Archie's being really scared and not saying anything. And Mike's version of it is Archie, you can't even understand him because he's blah, 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 blah. And, and, and Ron Glass is playing the character as a step and fetch it, you know, type, uh, type character. And it's hilarious. And then suddenly Edith tells the story. And it's exactly what happened, you know. Um, and and it's, I remember it being one of my favorite episodes of television ever and one of my favorite All in the Family episodes. And I remember now that that's kind of an episode that, have, that they've done on tons of different shows, like people telling their version of what happened, you know. Uh, and, and, and nobody had ever really done that before. I mean, except for Kurosawa. Nobody had ever really done that before. <laughs> and, and I just remember as a kid watching it going, man, that's really funny. And you knew... You know, it was a really beautiful piece of 22 minutes where you knew those characters just by watching that episode. And, you know, and it, and it gave Ron Glass a lot to do. You know what I mean? Like three different kind of characters to everybody. Three different kind of performances. But I just remember that episode in particular. There are so many standouts, but that I believe is my favorite All in the Family episode. Okay, so that episode is uh, Everybody Tells the Truth. And okay. I do not necessarily remember it, but after we get off of this conversation... I might throw it on my uh, television because <laughs> why the hell not? <laughs> it's, it truly is one of my, it's the one that stands out for me of, among all of the All in the Family episodes. I've seen them all. And, you know, when the show was on way too long and it became Archie Bunker's Place and all that stuff. And I, don't, I choose not to even remember that stuff. But <laughs> it, at its height, that to me was a, sh what, that episode represented everything that was great about the show and a really incredibly efficient, beautiful piece of storytelling. Like, you want to know these characters? Here they are. In a nutshell. Yep, that is that is season three, episode twenty one. Everybody tells the truth for yeah. people who want to look it up. Highly recommend it. Well, Norman Lear's, you know, obviously his contribution to uh, television and to the world is unmatched, and so um, and uh, everybody should check to check out the piece that you wrote at at, um, at, uh, at Hollywood Reporter and check out TV's top five so you can hear more stories with uh, Mike Rice. So yeah, Mike sure Mike was definitely great on that, and yeah, as as for my. <laughs> It was suggested that we maybe uh, should have written a few more of those appreciations ahead of time in certain cases, but um, it, this this was just one where there was anything you say would sound too outlandishly worshipful, hagiographic, however you want to put it, and yeah. and yet you know if anyone deserves it, it's yeah, Norman Lear. Absolutely, of course. This is a big deal. This was a this guy was a huge contributor you know, innovator and heroes of television. There's just no question about it. And, you know, you know, I, I always say this, whenever something like legitimately deserves praise, because I talk in hyperbole all the time, I always have to tell people, <laughs> look, I know I'm Captain Hyperbole, but this is like the real deal. This is for real. And that's the real, real deal with Norman Lear. So, um, all right, shifting now, I, I do, I'm so interested in this. I love Cary Grant. Um, I'm, he's one of my favorite actors. Maybe, maybe, maybe like in the in the in the classic sense, my favorite like leading man actor of all time. Could do anything. Could play anything. Um, and there is a new Britbox series called Archie. For people who not know, that was his real name. Archie Leach was his real name. Um, where Jason Isaacs plays Cary Grant. Um, and I'm really interested in, in this. And how do for people who might not know how to get Britbox? How do you get Britbox? How do you watch this? And is Archie? the Cary Grant uh, miniseries worth watching? Um, I think it's worth watching if you're a fan. And the simple answer on BritBox is subscribe. It's it's just yet another okay. one of those subscriber services. And it does, it, it does have a tremendous assortment of British television. So it has a lot of value. For a long time, BritBox and Acorn TV were going back and forth on who had the best British television library. Um, 
at this exact moment, I feel as if it's BritBox by a pretty large amount, but Acorn TV has some good stuff. Acorn TV is under the heading of AMC and the AMC Networks family, which makes it easier to, to get Got it. somewhat. But anyway, BritBox... Just subscribe Just and find you... BritBox. Subscribe to BritBox. That's exactly. If you okay. if you like British television, they they have a lot of it. Uh, okay. I would I would say probably that it, that Archie on its own is probably really not worth the subscription. It's a four hour miniseries, limited series, whatever, and it's it's based on Diane Cannon's memoir, and so as a result, the perspective of it is very much a the most important thing to ever happen to Cary Grant in his life was meeting Diane Cannon and having a child with her. And so it becomes this story of a young man who whose parents were somewhere between mentally unstable and completely unavailable. And so he spent his whole life looking for the stabilizing influence of a family. He just didn't know it. So this is how we found it. That's kind of, that's kind of the thesis. And as a result, uh, Diane Cannon plays, I I would say a far larger role uh, in the series as a whole than she played chronologically in his life. They were Mm -hmm. married for three years. uh, You know, you, you, you can believe that she was the great love of his life if you like, or you can believe that she was a much, 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 much younger woman who he had a couple good years with and a child with. And so mm-hmm. that made a big mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that anyone who has a particular passionate interest towards Cary Grant and the interest is not, I really want to watch the Diane Cannon Cary Grant love story <laughs> right. is going to feel as if the chapters that are missing here are many. And in some cases it's the, the immature and prurient things that we would like to know more about that are missing. So, you know, his, his LSD usage is while entirely acknowledged it's there are, there's at least one scene where Diane Cannon and Cary Grant trip balls together and that's just what Mm -hmm. they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's, it's still soft peddled within the context of it. It's, it's just kind of a, ah, here's a, here's a funny thing he did as part of his therapy. Right. Um, And there, you know, decades and decades of rumors about his sexuality he lived with Randolph Scott, just the two of them for a decade. And so there yeah. were many, many questions about the yep. two lifelong bachelors living together. <laughs> That's barely acknowledged here at all. It's, you know, a couple mentions of the rumors of his being gay mm-hmm. or bisexual, but not anything the show wants to acknowledge or right. delve into. And then, you know, there are a lot of people who don't really have characters, but who are still play acting as famous people. So so Alfred Hitchcock has a couple scenes and not particularly good. And there's Grace Kelly for a couple scenes. No, Grace Kelly has one scene. Doris mm-hmm. Day has one scene. Um, I hadn't, for example, known about uh, the connection between Cary Grant and George Burns. Is that a part of the biography mm-hmm. that you know about? Uh, not really, no. Apparently they were they were they were genuinely close friends in the early days when Cary Grant was transitioning out of vaudeville into oh, no kidding. acting. Oh. And as it's presented here and might be true, uh, George Burns hooked Cary Grant up with his lifelong manager slash agent. Uh, they were, they were just buddy, buddy. Um, but so George Burns has like two scenes and there, there's a lot of that where you're like, okay, I just guess I don't see the point. These are sort of half-assed, uh, uh, impressions that people are doing. And yet yeah. there are lots of totally 
you know, the, the half-assed impressions that you might really want are nowhere to be found. So, for example, how can you not, if you're doing an, an impression showcase, have a scene or two on the set of Philadelphia Story so that someone can do yeah. Jimmy Stewart yeah. and someone yeah. can do Catherine Hepburn? I mean, right, of course, of goodness. Course. Yeah. Not even mentioned, uh, yeah. not, you know, acknowledged in no way, shape, or form. And so, uh, to me, there were a lot of biographical details that, and, and sort of fun Hollywood things that I maybe would have preferred to have, or if they were determined to make it the Diane Cannon and Cary Grant story, I think that Diane Cannon doesn't really have all that much to do, unfortunately, even though the actress who plays her, uh, Laura Aikman, British actress, looks a ton like her. I think much more than anyone else actually looks like the person she's playing here. And Jason yeah. Isaacs is good. He's he's playing the character across a lot of years. And so there, there are scenes where he's playing Cary Grant at 35 and Jason Isaacs is in his low 60s and he's a spectacularly preserved low 60s let's be let's be yeah. clear here we, yeah. we we he's he's 60 and we all should be 60 like jason isaacs right. is 60 <laughs> right, right right but he still isn't 35 right and, and then when he gets older and there's a lot of makeup which is the time at which he kind of looks most like Cary grant because there's so much makeup to it uh you're just constantly aware that it's Jason Isaacs and an awful lot of makeup and maybe, maybe you kind of buy it, but yeah, yeah, I know it's, it's interesting if you're, if you're a fan and particularly if you already subscribe to BritBox for other reasons, it's totally mm -hmm. worth checking out four episodes, 45 minutes a pop. So it's not a huge commitment, but if you're a big fan, you're probably going to feel like you wanted a longer commitment. So got it. that's what okay. it is. That's Archie. Okay. All right. Uh, there is a heist series on Hulu. Uh, called culprits, which I, I've seen, um, you know, previews for, and I'm interested in. I have not, I have not yet jumped into it. What is culprits all about? Culprits is it's interesting. It's um, I can tell you already. It's disappointing in its conclusion. So it's eight. It's an eight episode heist series where the ending is not really particularly good, despite Eddie Izzard having a multiple episode uh, extended mm. cameo, which okay. is always interesting. Always uh, cool. Yeah. It was created by Jay Blakeson, who uh, some people will know from the disappearance of Alice Creed, and other people will know from the healthcare satire "I Care a Lot," uh, mm -hmm. which came out during the pandemic. And it's it's basically your somewhat run of the mill heist drama, um, a a mysterious uh, woman and master criminal played by Gemma Arterton. Uh, recruits a team of specialists to rob a very complicated vault. All of the specialists have different names based on what they do. So there's muscle, there's uh -huh. um, there's cracker, there's driver, right hand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. um, as always happens in these things, the heist goes not exactly according to plan. And three years after the heist. Uh, an assassin is traveling the world, killing off the survivors from the heist. Um, so everyone has to get to the root of it. And it's it's a very good cast. I mentioned Gemma Arterton. She's great. Uh, she's she, great. she is. And she's yeah. and she's underrated. She's someone yeah. who who Hollywood kind of said, OK, she's hot. Let's give her a couple bland uh, leading lady roles opposite bland leading men in mm -hmm. bland vehicles and no one will care. She's a better actress than that. Yep. Um, agree, this, agree. this is not a great role for her. This is mostly that she's also a striking and strikingly stylish actress. That's what's in play here. Uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett is, is really the star. Some people will know him from uh, Misfits or from Utopia to really great British shows. Um, and, and he's great. He's, he should have really and truly probably been a star of some stature 
five to ten years ago, and and it's a good star vehicle. Uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste is probably closest to a female lead. She's really great and really funny. Uh, it's for, for a while, it's entertaining but familiar, and it gets towards the end. And um, as anyone who has seen I Care a Lot knows, Jay Blakeson has ideas but he doesn't have particular subtlety in making the points he's making. And in the mm. last couple episodes, it, it becomes sort of a, hey, what if we do a heist drama that's also a uh, about wealth inequality and eat the rich and all of that, which incidentally is what every heist story ever has right. been about. Right. The, every right. heist thing you've ever enjoyed is about the little guys taking down the big guys. That is, yeah. you're not, yeah. you haven't found something new in the genre if that is what you're taking it is. Yeah. And it it's kind of clumsily delivered. So I, I enjoyed the first, say, five episodes uh, somewhat. And then I ran out of uh, interest as I went along. So it's eight episodes. It's on Hulu. It's right. there. <laughs> it's called Culprits. Okay, if you want to check it out, uh, you know it's it's it, we've uh, not we haven't talked in uh, at our regularly scheduled time. So a few things have happened uh, since then. We have two SNLs uh, that have happened since the last time we talked. Emma Stone hosted, and Adam Driver hosted, and uh, and I thought both of them were. I thought Adam Driver's episode was particularly particularly strong just this past weekend, and I liked Emma Stone's episode as well. Your thoughts on those two episodes? I think Emma Stone is such a great SNL host. She's she's I think she's probably top five SNL hosts. For I, me. I'm, I'm with you. And I think Adam yeah. Driver, too. Adam Driver, you know, was spectacular, I thought, on, on, on Saturday. But, but Emma, Emma Stone is absolutely made for that show. There's no she, question about it. I, I'm a little disappointed that they didn't find, a, that they have yet to find a way to deal with the fact that, uh, that either Emma Stone is a Sarah Sherman character or Sarah Sherman is an <laughs> Emma Stone character. And it frustrates me yeah, that they yeah. didn't find a way to work that because no, yeah. <laughs> their methodologies, like that, the music producer character yeah. that she played, there's yeah. no way that's not a character that Sarah Sherman pitched. I, yeah. I just don't believe for a second that that's yeah. not a Sarah Sherman character that she yeah. gave to Emma Stone. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I, you know, I, but I think she's great. And as for Adam Driver, the first time he hosted, I kind of took him as one of those he's funny because he's awkward kind of SNL hosts. And, yeah. you know, obviously Christopher Walken is kind of the king yeah. of that genre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I thought he was in that vein. This time I thought he was just utterly comfortable. And Absolutely. he was just, he, he was just relaxed <laughs> and yeah. having fun. And, and doing, and, doing go, committed to the craziest totally. shit. That baby on the, air, <laughs> on the airplane thing. I mean, my God. I, yeah, so I was really, I was genuinely impressed at the difference between yeah. first time and second time for him. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. It, but um, in both cases, I've, I've, I'm not sure that this is the best SNL writing team. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. both of them, I thought, were limited. And but still, I, I thought they both did really good things, and yeah. they're good hosts. So yeah, you know. and I thought I thought both episodes. Was, I, my favorite thing about the last episode with Adam Driver is that it's the first one of the season that didn't feature a Please Don't Destroy video, and that made me very happy. <laughs> um, yes, that is true. And uh, and also, they've... And every time it's in the first half of the show and the Please Don't Destroy video comes up, I think of you and feel sad <laughs> for you. Uh, so so well so well done, Nick. Well, thank um, you. Thank that's, you very much. You got your, you got your yeah, fingerprint you on that one. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's, it's felt this season like... like They've been moving up and up and up in the show and not necessarily because the videos have been better, 
quite no, the opposite. They I, yeah. <laughs> I thought um I thought I thought the one playing around with the AI technology, I thought it was a funny idea. Yep. I, I didn't think most of how they executed it was funny, but I agree. I think the idea was funny and terribly executed. Uh, yeah, yeah um, but and every but yes. every every one that they write, it's like it starts out with a basic premise, and then it just more it gets more ridiculous and more ridiculous. And the, the the setup is exactly the same every single time. And I've not seen their movie. I've not seen the movie on Peacock. I've not watched it, um, so I can't speak to that. But man, uh, it was nice to just have a break from those guys this past week. <laughs> I I do not necessarily disagree, and I also have not felt the need or desire to watch their Peacock movie. But some people uh, seem hey. to think I've I've seen people say it was funny, but yeah. Who knows? Hey, just not my deal, man. Just not my thing. Um, all right. Uh, the last time we talked, you did talk about The Curse. I had not seen it yet. Um, oh, my God. I don't even know what to say, man. Um, I, I really... Because every time I watch it, I'm like, I can't even. There are moments where I'm just like, I can't. I don't even want to be alive right now. Like, I don't know what <laughs> the hell is going on. And um, and I got to say that, you know, this year, this 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 year for, for, for Emma Stone, I've seen Poor Things twice, and I plan on seeing it again. I think it's the best performance that Emma Stone has ever given, but it's a really, really twisted and weird movie and a great film. But, you know, like people who are like, oh, I loved her in La La Land and she was so cute and easy A, they're going to see this and go, what the hell? And the stuff that they're doing, everybody in The Curse, what has been the feedback, the response that people are having to this show, The Curse, which is on <sighs> Paramount Plus and, and Showtime? I think this is going to be one where whatever the responses to it are going to come out after it's already aired. Like, I feel like there was a lot of reaction the first week or two, and then I haven't seen as much response subsequently. Yeah. And part of yeah. that has to do with the fact that I'm uh, avoiding Elon Musk's white nationalist social media platform as much as possible. <laughs> and so I don't quite have the same right, right. whatever as, yeah. I, as I did when I was on Twitter all the time. So yeah. there's that. Uh, but I also do feel like some people are saving... Yeah. The show. Uh, all I'm going to say is if you've been watching it, you know, promptly, make sure that when the finale rolls around, and that's not till January 14th, it looks okay. like, okay. make sure you watch it as soon as you can, because if people are watching it, there are it'll going be, to be it'll reactions. Be it'll be spoiled. That, exactly. Okay. I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be. No, of course, I've been watching it promptly, even though I find it the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen in my life. I. I I do watch it. And, and I don't know if you saw, did you see when Emma Stone um, and uh, Nathan Fielder were on Kimmel? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I, saw, I did. <laughs> okay, good. That's all. We don't even have to talk about it. I'm just glad you saw it. Uh, I, I okay. did indeed. And it was, it was a great, it was a great performance by yes, Nathan Fielder. Ab um, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and Emma Stone guess. too, playing along with all that stupid oh, shit. You no, know, she, was, was she is bad. so, she is so game and she yeah. is such a good, uh, teammate, comedically yeah. speaking. That, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was great. So if you've not seen it, just, just do yourself a little favor. You want to Google it. Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, Jimmy Kimmel. I think it was two weeks ago or something like that. A week and a half ago or something like that. So, all right. Since uh, we last spoke, Fargo has kicked off its fifth season. Um, how much of, of it have you seen the whole thing? No, I have seen eight episodes now and there are 10. So okay. that, right. is, that is so as far I don't know. as I've gone. I'm I'm where whatever it is like uh, whatever I'm up to whatever it is now four four episodes uh, yeah four looks as if four is the okay. answer uh, and I think it's tremendous I think it's I think it's great and and I, I and I have to say that I love everybody in it God I love Juno Temple in it so much she's so great in it um, I'm not not that I'm shocked. 
because she's great. But this is the weirdest shit that John Hamm has ever done. And I, I have to say, as someone who is not like, I'm not a big Stranger Thing guy, uh, I didn't even recognize the dude from Stranger Things. I, I, honest to God. Like, it took me like three scenes. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the kid from Stranger Things? It's, and so it definitely he's he's not fully recognizable and also yeah. if you're not a huge stranger things fan you would not necessarily have a reason to know who joe query is but. it took me a couple of minutes and i'm like wait a minute you know oh man so different than what he does well so much so different than what he does on stranger things obviously okay there is a moment in episode three i don't know if you can remember this there's a moment in episode three that happens and i won't give it away for people who haven't watched it uh but it there's a moment where i just went what the hell is going on and i don't know if you can remember the the specific moment but it involves the uh the cleanup character the cleaner character uh the, uh, oh so you know what i'm talking about that. of course that, i'm like what's the fuck what is what is happening and and there's been no there's been kind of weird references to that moment but that scene that moment i was like i don't there are no rules here what the hell is going <laughs> what is going which on? which if you think about it i mean fargo is a show that has had multiple seasons in which uh there have been ufos as yeah, a, it's true. as yeah, it's a key true. piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was extensive uh, the the season with uh, with Carrie Coon and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead yep. and David Thewlis. David Thewlis's that, mouth close up of his mouth. Yes, but yeah. but also David Thewlis in that it, it was completely a character who was presented with the supposition that he was potentially demonic in nature. I mean, yeah, th- yeah. that character was essentially sort of the extension of the Dybbuk in uh, Got Serious it. Man. Yeah, true, true. And true. so yeah. there was that. I think, you know, there people always talked about the uh, Billy Bob Thornton character in the first season as being sort of basically an embodiment of a certain kind of demonic presence. So yeah. a lot of that, to me, it does fit with the ethos. Yeah. Without any question, when it explains that character and his origins i i snorted loudly and aggressively because of (laughs) of the audacity of it and yeah by all means (laughs) but there's great stuff here's one of my favorite little details about this current uh run of fargo is that i just found this whole i can't remember who said this it may have been on i can't it may have been one of the late night shows could have been john maybe it was john oliver i'm not really sure uh but someone had said that they did a google search on the day that Henry Kissinger had died. And Henry Kissinger was not the number one search on X or Google or whatever, was not the number one search. Uh, The number one search on the day that Henry Kissinger died was John Hamm nipple rings. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, some weirdly appropriate and also hilarious that on the day that Kissinger died, he was not the number one search, but John Hamm nipple rings was. So uh, John Hamm is doing great work, as you say. Juno Temple is is fantastic, oh, so um, good, and 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 yeah, and, Je- and Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh my God, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jennifer oh. Jason, and and she only gets better. Um, and I think Juno Temple only gets better. Also, yeah. I, I I think with both of their characters, at least for me, there was an acclimation process of figuring out what they were both doing vocally and, and yeah, how yeah. much they were or weren't doing the Minnesota accents and all of yeah. that. I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely the Juno Temple accent is as exaggerated a version <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. as yeah. the show has had. Yeah. Uh, but I think both of them <laughs> very quickly get beyond just the surface level accent thing. And I think, yeah, I think they're both tremendous. So It's, it's a fabulous season. So uh, for those of you who are fans of Fargo, you know what you're getting. It's consistently weird and fun and lots of extended, like, you know, tense, you know, sequences that involve, you know, home invasion. I mean, they recreate two of the home invasion scenes from Fargo in the first episode. And um, so, but anyway, it's, but it's, I, I think the season has been pretty great and I can't wait to see 
how it ends up. Um, and, and the curse, uh, well, it, you know, if you're on board, you're on board. If not, I can understand why you're not. <laughs> I, will be, I will be so curious to talk about uh, the ending with you when we reach Okay. It. All right, great. All right, so the next time we, uh, we speak, it'll be time to talk about the year-end stuff, like your favorite shows and your favorite things about television. And we'll do that as a, as a big wrap-up of the year the next time we talk. Excellent. Looking forward to it. I am, I am in the process as we talk of, uh, of fine-tuning and refining the last of the pieces in my top ten. Great. So hopefully Excited. everything will be locked down when we next talk. All right. I'm sure it will be, and it'll always be great. Dan, always a pleasure, and I'll, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Looking forward to it, Nick. All right, buddy. Take care. Dan Feinberg, he's the best. He's the TV guy. And here is also the best. Her name is Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Esmeralda Leon. That's right. Esmeralda Leon has a theme song that we all love, that Jason Skaggs composed and performed and all that cool stuff. When you hear it, that means it's time to talk to Esmeralda on the Nick D Podcast. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm... (laughs) Get the formalities out of the way. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, uh, how I'm good. are you? How are you and how are things? Uh, so there you go. So I, 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 uh, I guess we're, you know, it's, it is, you know, we're into the, we're into the whole Christmas, uh, Christmas thing now. Um, have you experienced yeah, it? It's uh, been since Thanksgiving. It's true. No, even, even before that, honestly. Hallo- like Halloween. Halloween and yeah. Yeah. Halloween now ends like- and boof. Now, but now it's full. I mean, you can't get out of it, man. It's full force. Um, I went yeah. to, I, I went yeah, yeah. to, as I do, you know, almost every weekend, I, I go to uh, to my girlfriend's uh, house and I take the Metro uh, there. Mm-hmm. And the Millennium Station Metro stop has become mm-hmm. a, a fucking winter wonderland. It's, <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Well, that sounds nice. Uh, if you like that kind of thing, sure. But like, it, you know, because, the, the, you know, the Millennium, it's a train station, you know, so it's a metro station, train mm-hmm. station, and all that stuff. So, you know, there are a lot of fast food places, there's a subway, and there's a little Burger King, there's other places, you know. Um, and, and you you know, you walk in, and, you know, you, the, the place where you sit to wait, it's a, it's a train station. You know, I'm describing a fucking train yeah. station. Um, and, but it was, lo- it was like the, because this past weekend when I went to Julie's was the first time they had the full-on Christmas stuff up, and I was like, God damn. It was at one, but I will say right. this, Esmeral, I think you would have got a kick out of this. So they have benches by the gates where you go to get on the train, mm-hmm. you know, like a train station. As I'm, <laughs> as I'm yeah, where you sit. <laughs> it's amazing, right? What I'm describing train. is a fucking train station that people all have seen and been in. But anyway, so <laughs> y- you know how you sit on benches in a train station? Well, they removed yes. they removed four of them so mm-hmm. that they could they could put in a sleigh to North Pole right in the middle. So the be- can you get in it? Yeah, you can sit on it, but it's it, there's oh, not okay. as there's not as much room, you know, as there right. were when they had the benches there because it's a big sleigh and it says North Pole and there's fucking trees around it and stuff. Yeah, but, I'm the, assuming but, it's for your photography needs. Exactly, exactly. You want to bring the kids there because you know because there's nothing 
better than taking your kids to a basement in a train station on Michigan Avenue in Randolph to take pictures of them at the North Pole. Of course. Because, you know, when I think Christmas Isn't that Eve part like, of what you do? You go look at the tree at Millennium Park, and then right. you go down into the dank train station. Right, where there, are, where there are homeless people as you go down the stairs. You know what I mean? And there's a bar, and it smells yeah, like Yeah, and then you, know. you sit in the sleigh, and you get your picture taken you, for you, free. Exactly. Because it's in the, free. You sit, in the wooden, you sit in the wooden, uncomfortable North Pole sleigh, and there are also, there's also, by the way, there are also like a really cheaply made, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, those, what, what do you call the things where you, you stick your head in them? So it looks like you're an elf, you know what I mean? But you stick, oh, your, you yeah, know. yeah. Do, is, there name, is, called, there a, but... is there a name for those things? You know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah. You get the, so it's the hole, you put your head in the hole. Right. What would you even call that? Like, I don't just like, just, I don't even know how to describe it. Caricature. I mean, it's like a, it, you're, it's a piece of wood. People, I think, know what they're talking about. You stick your head in there, and it looks like you know your head is on a, a a deer's body or your Santa Claus or you know that kind of thing. So they have one of those set up like across the aisle from the North Pole thing, but there's like no sign on it or anything. So it's just a, <laughs> it's just this thing. It looks like it, it looks like um, you know you know uh, what do they call those things with uh, stocks when in, you know, remember like the uh, yeah. In the, yeah, middle in the of, olden in, times. In the olden days. Yeah, that's what it looks like. You stick your head in there, and then you, you look like you're an elf. Uh, but, yeah, so they have those set up. But the thing is that nobody, when I was there, because this is like I, I, I was leaving to go out to Julie's at around, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, and you don't have a lot of kids. By the way. Yeah. So uh, there's nothing I can see that's like, what is the official? Oh, wait. Uh, photo stand-in? Photo stand-in? Okay, that sounds like a reasonable that's kind of a reasonable description of what that is yeah yeah if you look up like if i get i get images it's essentially face cutout board yeah uh, head and hole photo board (laughs) (laughs) so So, face and hole technique yeah so so basically we us struggling to find a name for it is not uncommon a lot of people are like right everybody's like Well, they have one of those like really cheaply and weirdly made with no like explanation for it, like right in the middle of the train station and the train station. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, it's a it's a train station in a basement under Randolph. So it's not like the (laughs) it's not the most charming facility in the world. You know what I mean? Like if you go there, like you go there like 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday, there's going to be a lot of people down there who, you know, who don't give a shit about Christmas and are probably sleeping on the pole on the on the sleigh, you know, (laughs) you know, right. So, but the funny thing was when I got down there and I saw all this, and I was like, "God damn!" So it's a, it is an effective Christmas wonderland. The, 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 the long hallway where they have the bathrooms where you can stop off and check your luggage and all that stuff, and all the subway and the you know Burger King and all that shit that you can get at the bar and all that. When you lead up to to, to buy your ticket at the t- at the windows, it's all a winter wonderland. These big giant wooden trees everywhere. Um, and then you walk through the doors to get to the gates, and that's where the car the, the the benches are to sit so that big section mm-hmm. of benches is gone and when i walked in there it was really funny because there was just this guy who was clearly just a dude waiting for the train but mm-hmm. there were no there was no other room on benches so he sat on the north pole <laughs> he looked like a dude just a regular dude waiting on a train but he happened to be sitting on this on this sleigh and he was just like looking at his phone and, and the image to me i took i took a picture of it the image to me was so goddamn funny and it's like, like here's this supposed to be this kid's little festive sleigh that you can take pictures of, and there's like a business dude just sitting on it going, yeah. <laughs> right, that has to be weird. Like, 
because it is you know it is just a bench but then yes you can have your picture taken but then if someone's sitting there you're not gonna be like hey can Can you get my picture can Can you you get up yeah (laughs) dude i'm just trying dude i'm just trying to get home on a friday i'm just trying to sit down they took the benches out for this stupid ass thing you know (laughs) by the way which um which line do you do you ride i I, I, to, to julie's i take the metro electric Okay, the M- so the ME, yeah. So be w- be aware. Yeah, they've um they've started a holiday train. Oh, oh, Esmeralda, I was going to get to that because this morning oh, okay. I I came back from Julie's on the goddamn Metro holiday train, and I thought my head was going to. Oh, explode. did you? Yeah, interesting. I, I thought my head was going to explode. Um, music piping in, and you. I mean, you've oh been no, no, the- no! But this is the CTA. Okay, the CTA does that. Metro and CTA both do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So were you on which one? Metro this morning. Yeah, Metro. And, and oh, it, interesting. Yeah, no, Metro was ridiculous because the, the the trains are double decker and they're longer, so they have even more insanity. Mm-hmm. Like in lights everywhere. Yeah. As soon as I got, as soon as I walked down the stairs, they said, uh, "Now boarding at gate six. Uh, boarding at gate six. You know, or and I get in there and I get in and it's it was insane. It was completely insane. Lights everywhere." Um, you know, the, the, the conductor had, uh, elf ears. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh boy. And there were, and were there people like passing stuff out? And... No, 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 no. It wasn't cause it was, it's a Monday morning and it was seven 30, you know, and it, nobody True. gives a shit, you know, like seven 30 in the morning on a Monday, you're like, just get me where I, I need to go. I don't need to hear, you know, fucking, uh, Mariah. And they cranked the Mariah Carey song too, which is always pleasurable. But oh yeah, boy. the so the so the uh, yeah, I was on the Christmas Metro train, and they do it up just as insane. I'm I'm sure you've been on the the CTA train, right? The crazy ass CTA train. Yes, yeah. and I don't like it. No, me neither. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, because it says here. Um, so according to the, oh, I think maybe these are different then. Okay, I'm not quite sure because it says that they're sold out. Oh. So, so maybe the holiday trains are different. Are like are the ones where they're going all out, like the CTA ones, where there's people on the train and they're like giving you candy and they're like, right. Oh. Well, this was I. It was I and will this say was this was just decorated. Yeah. Well, if that, I'll tell you what. If that's just if they decorated every train like that, then they blew a lot of goddamn money on decorations because this was all out, like double decker. Every and by the way, every car was different because I walked through three cars to get yeah. to where I went. And every car was decorated different. Like there was a peppermint car and there was an evergreen car. And I was on the wreath car. There was nothing but wreaths everywhere. So mm-hmm. each car like had a different theme and there were tons of lights all over the place. And they were pumping music through. So if that's not the official holiday car that you have to like make reservations for or whatever. Yeah. They're doing, so, they're do- so here's. Yeah. yeah so they're um, those trains are the ones that they're using for the holiday trains. But they're also just used in the regular ah, service. Okay. Well, that's what happened this morning. So <laughs> Because they don't want to. I mean, are you kidding me? Could you imagine having to take that stuff off every time? Yeah. Would that be nuts? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nuts? They're like, just leave it on. Just leave it on. Let and, them enjoy the lights. And and, it, and I will say this. But, it You know, like this morning when I when I got off the train at Millennium Station, because I, I took it from, um, you know, the south side. And when I got mm-hmm. off the train at Millennium Station, it was the only one. And there are a lot of trains at Millennium Station. It's a fucking train station. So... It was the only one when I got off. I looked at the other trains. It was the only decorated train. So yeah. of all the ones. And it was, I mean, it was insane. So, it was insane. 
It was insane. So yours is actually going to be so there's only three. Um, there was only three dates for the holiday train. Oh, which I'm okay. assuming is like the one where they go all out. Where they go nuts, and Santa's on it because Santa was not on board this morning. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. These are yeah. the these holiday trains are the ones where they're just like everyone's in there. There's elves. There's people giving you candy. Santa's probably there. Yeah. Um. So the December sixteenth is the last date, but they are sold out. Um, but it is yours. It's the Metro Electric Line oh, God. and the Union Pacific North Line. But they are sold out. So, okay. Unfortunately, if you want to get on with Santa Claus, damn it! <laughs> that just—I'm so upset that I'm not going to be able to get on the train with Santa Claus. Uh, and as soon as I got, as soon as it pulled into the station this morning, I was like, "Oh man, oh shit!" And as soon as I walked in and I heard the, you know, like all the Christmas music, and then I was walking through different cars to get to the front because I like to sit near the front. And I was walking through mm-hmm. different cars, and every car was decorate, had a different theme, was decorated differently. And, I mean, the amount of lights strung on the walls and the ceiling of the cars. Was, and, and, and the one car that I was on looked like it had been – do you know the theme where you, you, it looks like you're in something that's gift-wrapped? So mm-hmm. it looked like the, all the walls were covered in wrapping paper and wreaths and lights and stuff. But the, the, the overall theme was – the car that I was on was I was in a wrapped Christmas package. Oh, and you're the present, Nick. I yeah. Aww. Oh yeah, I'm the booby prize. What what is it? What what is that? <laughs> secret Santa. I'm the secret Santa, and and the person who had and, and the person that you had, you don't like. You know what I mean? Like you know, like I, I got a secret Santa, and I'm gonna give him Nick because he's a, a dickhead. So I'm just gonna give him. <laughs> oh no. So. Oh, but but it was well, funny how it was funny how people reacted because you know it's seven o'clock in the morning on a Monday and a lot of people are like God, I mean damn. yeah and and you walk in and there were some people were like oh and they kind of smiled and everything and the conductor was perfectly mm-hmm. charming and lovely and had elf ears and stuff and and that was fine and, but like there were some uh, some of us who were just like oh shit like as soon as we it's like I do not feel festive right now I had kind of a shitty weekend it's a Monday morning and the last thing I need is Mariah Carey blasting in my ears and you know. Like and I'm sitting in a box, a a a, a, a right? wrapped Christmas box. I don't need that. See, so. now I didn't know this. They also do CTA bus holidays. Yes, they holiday do. Buses. Yes, they do. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. I have not. Um, I have not been on it on the train this year. Yeah, I, I haven't don't either. Look for it. I don't yeah. look for it. No, I'm neither fine. do I. Neither do I. And I saw I, I, I see it on TV and I'm like, that's good enough. Yeah. I and 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 uh and I but the weird thing is like I as you know, Esmeralda, I'm not the biggest Christmas guy in the world. You know that. Mm-mm. I don't like, hey, it's Christmas time and I don't decorate. I haven't put a tree I haven't had a tree up. I haven't put decorations up in probably yeah, four, same. Four, fourteen years. Same. I don't do any of that shit. So like I'm the last guy in the world, but it always seems like just out of nowhere, uh, coincidentally, I get on the goddamn ho- like this morning. I got on the holiday <laughs> train, yeah. and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I've been on like I've not been on it yet on the CTA, but I guarantee you because I take the I take the CTA pretty often. I guarantee you, at some point in the next week or so, week and a half, I will get on that goddamn holiday train and just be well. Like, oh, you're gonna the, give me the schedule? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's you know if you want a fair. I take I, I take the blue line. So uh, do they have so the, the blue line? Yeah, Thursday. So this. This week, okay. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, oh. fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. Okay, I will be on. So. The, okay, I will be on the train Thursday and Friday. I will be taking the. I will, t- I will be taking the blue line on Thursday and Friday. And I think these are like afternoon, like they start in the okay. afternoon. Okay, so. all right. Well, Thursday the the Thursday will be in the morning. 
Friday will be in the afternoon. So uh, we'll see. What, yeah. We'll see what we'll I see. mean, oof, good luck with that. Both both the holiday train and afternoon bus. Yeah. Or afternoon train On a ride. Friday. On a Friday. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. On a Friday. That'll be a blast. And then Saturday. So those two days, the Thursday and the Friday, Santa's not on it. Saturday, he will be yeah. where you get photos with him. Oh, my God. So I think they just have him riding in the back, which seems really fun to me. Well, but like, no, I you... would want to be Santa for just that. No, in the sleigh, open air. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was gonna say because, like, they put him on an open car, and I'm like, what if it's what if it's like 20 below? You know, this poor guy in that suit. He can like, I'm sure he's wearing a coat under the suit. Yeah, but you're on. Gotta be, gotta be, quote unquote, fat and jolly. So it's true. But if you're on like the blue line, that fucking thing goes under. That's a subway as well, and so it's going like 60. You're like, I mean, true. I I mean, I don't know. Although it doesn't. No, it does. It does. I mean, I don't know how does fast it goes. Does it go goes. as fast as it does? Uh, it go as fast as it should? It probably doesn't. Not when Santa's on on out. You know, I mean, for insurance purposes, um, I guess when Santa's on the holiday train, you're not going to get to the place as timely as you would otherwise. Yeah, I, think. I would think it's yeah. like slower. To, yeah, because people are like walking around. They have elves. Yeah, walking in between the trains and stuff. Which I'm just like. <sighs> Yeah. I just, I need to be where I'm going to be. Right. I just, <laughs> I just need to get downtown, get out of my goddamn way. And you know oh, what? God. Speed the fucking train up because I want to get to where I'm going. That's why I'm on this thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. Oh. We are some Grinches, aren't we? I know, I know. <laughs> but you know what? We take the CTA all the time. So we are allowed to be Grinches, Esmeralda. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's like, look, we take it for convenience purposes. I don't go on the train to like dally, dilly dally. I want to get on the train right. and get off as quickly as possible. Oh. oh, and this is the worst part. You know the people who are on the holiday train, right? They're oh. staying on yep. with their stupid kids and probably <laughs> with their wiener kids. <laughs> with their wiener kids and their and their stupid strollers. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, mm -hmm. I, every sentiment that you are expressing, I agree with wholeheartedly. As we're like, get the God, fuck. I can't even deal with it on a regular train. I know. I mean, I think the last time I saw one, I got on like for like a minute, and then I was like, I need to get off this. I thing. understand. <laughs> yeah, or you, and, and I, I'll tell you what, because I used to live, I used to live right by you, Esmeralda. I used to live for 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 about five or six years. I lived it mm. near Lawrence and Kimball, and that's the end of the blue line, or, or sorry, brown line, or mm. the beginning, however you look at it. Well, no, it's the end and the beginning because it's a circular. It runs the loop, um, and so there's no end. It all begins and ends at Lawrence um, because that train goes through the loop and just comes back, and its last stop is Lawrence, and its first stop is Lawrence. So anyway, uh, I would, like, sometimes I'd get, I'd walk to the train to, to go down to work or whatever, or to go downtown. And I would see the goddamn Christmas train sitting there as the next train. Because, you know, usually they have two trains sitting at the station. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you get on the next one because it'll say next train, you know, with an arrow pointing. Yeah. Right? And then you get on that one and that's the one you take, you know. But I saw next train and it would be the arrow pointing to the Christmas train. I'm like, fuck you. I'm waiting for the other one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting on this yeah, stupid Yeah. I was thing. like, I will wait. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, on this web, so on the on the transit on the CTA website, they give you, and this cracks me up because you know nobody's reading these. Slash, even if they were told ten times, they wouldn't remember these things. Yeah, it's like travel light. So, i.e., have small collapsible strollers. Sure. And right. just things like that, and it's like no, they're they gonna don't bring listen. their fucking double wide. Yep. Yep. 
Hummer of a of a damn stroller <laughs> for the one kid Hummer. Who does, one... who's not even in it. Right. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And then and it's just loud and weird and the, and then yeah, and if you and, and, and if you're not but and again you know like my mindset this morning was I want to get home. You know what I mean? That was, mm-hmm. And I have to take <laughs> I have to take this metro train to the loop and then I have to get on a CTA train at Washington and get to my Could house. Could you imagine if you somehow hit both, both of them? Both of them. Oh my god. I, yeah. And that's no. a possibility. That's a possibility on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. That's a total possibility. Um, yes, yes. Thursday no because Thursday I'll be I'll just No, yeah. It's just no, absolutely. It's a total possibility on Thursday and Friday. Well, the so the metro one I don't think they're going to let you on. Okay. That's fine. It says they're sold out. So I'm assuming they have like special ones for these like yeah. these specific dates where they're like, oh, they're going to, you know, as, yeah. as I said, they're going to probably have yeah. Santa on them and well, all that stuff. Well, as long as they don't mess with the regular schedule, which I am now, I'm now, now I know. <laughs> you're like, uh, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Now I know the regular schedule. I don't have to, because when I first started dating Julie, I was like, okay, I got to figure out what train to take. Now I know when they run. I know the schedule. And so if I get there and they're like, yeah, well, that's, this one's not running because we're going to have Santa and his fat ass on there. And, right. You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just trying to get to my girlfriend's house, man. I don't yeah. care. I was like, please, I just need yeah. this for specific yeah. riding. Yeah. Now, I've never, I've seen them pass me by, but I've never been on the holiday Santa bus. Have you ever been? Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that it existed yeah, until I I've saw seen it on them. here. I've seen them drive by. I've never been on one, and I can't imagine. I mean, I mean, the bus is already worse than the train. You know what I mean? So, uh, in my opinion, I think the bus is worse than the train. It's uh, uh, it's, cr- um, it's more it's more cramped. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it depends. If you yeah. get on those big luxurious two, two yeah. bus with the with buses. the yeah with the accordion in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We don't and talk if you about- get on early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all these, but there are all these, you know, things that it preface it. If this and if that, as opposed yeah, to, yeah, there's I just, caveat. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be able to get on a fucking bus, sit down quietly, and get to where I need to go. I don't need, but but the accordion ones are always hilarious because I, I the last time I was on a big giant accordion one was when mm-hmm. I was on the Museum Express bus coming from uh, Northerly Island after the Dave Matthews show, which was a real fucking treat. Oh no. Yeah, no, loaded with <laughs> drunks. And um and I, I the thing about it is what's really funny is if you get a bunch of drunk like concert goers and they mm-hmm. are standing in that middle section with the accordion and you know the turntable on the floor yeah. in the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that thing scares me. It's weird, right? <laughs> It's weird. It's, it's just like, scary because if you are sitting in those chairs, you're just spinning. Yeah. <laughs> it just turns. Yeah. It's like a um, tilt a whirl almost. Yeah. 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 It is. It's like, oh, it's, it is. It's like a goddamn carnival ride. <laughs> I don't need that. I didn't get on the bus to take a carnival ride. I want to get on the bus to yeah. go home, you know? Luckily, there's not that many for the buses. Yeah. They're very specific. There's, uh, there's only a few in there. They're, at least for me, they're none that I I really ride. Do they have normally. the is, is Irving Park on there? Because that's the one that I ride the most. Do they have it like a? Is not. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so I think they're only doing north south ones. Okay. Okay. But you know the oh, thing wait, is Fullerton's east west. Never yeah, mind. Fullerton is east west. Yeah, Fullerton <laughs> so is east west. Chicago. Never mind. All of them. okay. Never no. mind. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't have any right now on Irving for Irving Park scheduled for Irving Park. 
No. So okay. it's it's like Mil- the Milwaukee bus, although yeah. that's over with. Like the, the next one that's coming up, um, which is tomorrow, Tuesday. Mm. Or mm. sorry. Today. It already happened. Never today. Mind. No, it happens today. Oh, yeah, today. today. So you yeah, could today. you could it's catch today. it. It starts at noon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you have. And if you're listening to this very early, you still have a few hours to get the noon train right. today. Or the noon bus. Like from noon to noon to six. So it's right. quite. Okay, you got all it's day. It's a long time. Okay. Uh, it's the Archer bus. Archer. Okay, so if you're on Archer, you're near There's Archer. 62, which is kind of nice because then you get photos at Midway. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. So all right. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm assuming that goes to the airport. Yeah, Archer does. Yeah. So then, yeah, you can get off at the airport yeah. and get your picture taken. There you go. <laughs> it's I, I will say this, though. You know, I can understand why there aren't as many uh, Christmas-themed buses. Uh, because the train is typically and stereotypically more romantic. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. Even, if it's, even if it's a CTA train, the train is considered... Much more uh, of kind of a romantic way to travel as opposed to the fucking bus, which. <laughs> no, completely. Yeah. I completely agree. So, all right. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. We got to. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi. I love Nick's show. Oh, she's wearing elf ears. Hi, Carrie. All right. Hi, I'm oh. Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Oh, and she also uh, is holding up a CTA t shirt. So she's selling uh, CTA t shirts oh, on my back. Oh, boy. Part. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like the copyright lawyers are going to show up. That's I shouldn't have said that. Anytime a cease and desist for, yeah, I for have said Carrie that. Russell. Yeah, I, I might have to. I may. I might have to bail Carrie out of jail later on. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well. So. Uh, but yeah, the metro. I will say. You know. Um, I didn't care and i was like oh god when i got on it this morning but people other people seem to enjoy it and hey god bless them who are we i mean yeah yeah i mean people like it if no one if no one did could you imagine everyone just hates it yeah i know you get on you're like every single person like turn this fucking music off you know universally hated (laughs) right and i and i could i can understand people's like you know frustration and hatred of it because like like this morning i didn't i like when i got on the train i was like half asleep because i just woke up you know, and walk to the train station, and I was like, I just want to get home, and I wanted to get a nap in, and then start working and doing stuff here, and 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 then I get on, and it's like, I just want for Christmas or whatever that fucking Mariah Carey. I'm like, oh god, damn it. It gets yeah, and then I could imagine like if you're just trying to go and live your life, and you accidentally catch yeah. the train or the bus, and yeah. you're like, well, I it's need gotta be to weird, get on. Right? I have to be somewhere. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, a lot of people have issues with just, like, all the lights and the sounds, and, like, it can be too much for some it people. Is, no, yeah, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, it could be like a, you know, like, people could react to it physically, you know? Uh, and, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of a bummer that you, then you have to go, oh, I can't get on this train. <laughs> right, Now I gotta wait another, I gotta wait another 15 minutes for this goddamn train, and it could be, like, two degrees yeah. out, you know? Luckily, mm-hmm. luckily, we've been having, so, so far, knock wood, we've been having kind of a mild you know, like late yeah. fall here and into the winter. Yeah. Uh, but man, you know that'll change. You know, at some point before mm-hmm. Christmas, we're going to have like a two below night, you know? <laughs> and uh, you're just sitting there waiting, and then the next goddamn train is, I just want you home for Christmas, or whatever that goddamn song is. So anyway. But yeah, and, I, and then like before we got on, you know, like before you get on the train, maybe you you had to, because you wanted to sit down, God forbid, but you had to sit on the North Pole sled. <laughs> 
you know, in a basement uh, on Randolph next to a smelly it's subway. Only, it's the only seat available. What are you yeah. gonna do? What are you, you gonna really do? Need to sit. Yeah. Oh, I'm in a great I'm in a great festive mood because you know that urine smell was 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 really counterbalanced by the the North Pole sled I was sitting on. It made me feel forget about all the, the urine smells that were happening in in the basement of the of the train station. Oh god. It erases all those problems completely. I, I think I used to um when I worked for um this company where I would have to go to offices and um And what was like, this job again? It and, was and, um it was an I would go into offices and like stock their kitchens Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz instead of of paying them uh more money they would just give them sodas. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> oh, you want a raise? No. <laughs> Here's a coke. Want? Enjoy a 7 up. Yeah. Sodas in the fridge. <laughs> um but I remember I would go through that station. I would go through that that The mille- millennium? Would, yeah, cuz yeah. I could like Yeah get through to another building or whatever right yeah you can walk because it leads to a pedway so you can like go through mm-hmm. the thing yeah yeah yeah. there are all kinds of there are all kinds of weird little you know uh trails that you can take underground in the loop you know oh uh, yeah like little pedways they're kind of fun actually and um i used to have on uh, at the car wash on a regular basis god I, I forget her name now she's fantastic and i had her on a bunch of times and i feel like a dick because i'm not her name's not popping back into my brain, but she used to actually do tours of downtown and one of her oh. favorites and one of the most, you know, booked and most popular of the tours that she would do where she would take people underground and walk through the pedways um, and take you through the downtown and, you know, going up and coming up like under city hall and going down and seeing all the stuff. And yeah. There are, there are old abandoned, you know, like uh, businesses down there that you can check out and then some businesses that are still around. So it's, it's kind of interesting and kind of fun to do that. And that was all the shit. Yeah. Remember, remember in April of 1992 when the flood happened in the loop? I remember it, but because I wasn't. Oh, you were young. Yeah, you were, you were. Yeah, you. Oh, yeah, you weren't. In, you weren't in the city, obviously, and you were young. Yeah, you were, and you were nine when it happened, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, because it happened in '92. So, um, but it, but the but uh, there was a flood in the basements and in the pedways underneath the loop, and it was filling up all the buildings. Uh, in the loop uh, where the river was just like flowing into building basements and it flooded the loop and they had to, they had to evacuate the loop. Like people were hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people were walking across all the bridges to get out of the loop to get the fuck home because like all of the build, I mean, this was a major catastrophe and a flood, a massive flood that did millions of dollars worth of damage to buildings all in the loop. And I remember that day they did live coverage of it and all that stuff. And it was this insane leak that took place. I want to say it was the Wabash, near the Wabash Bridge is where it happened. And then all of these basements, um, hundreds and hundreds of basements and buildings started to fill up with water. And you couldn't ride the subway. The subways had to stop. The city shut down in the loop that whole day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was fucking crazy. Yeah, there's actually a... Um... There's a series on on PBS on WTTW called Chicago Stories, and they've yeah. done a bunch, and they're really great. And you can actually see them. They have an app. Um, WTTW has an app where you can go watch that and like other stuff. But it's yeah. called Downtown Disasters, and they talk yeah. about well, one they talk about the Iroquois theater fire, but then they right. also talk about the flood. 
Right. You know, Chicago Stories is great. One episode. Chicago yeah. Stories is great. If, if, if you've not seen it, it's great. And they're archived. And like you said, there's an app. You can check them all out. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember watching uh, that. and Because I, I remember when it happened, I was like, I was going through a really terrible bre- breakup at the time. And, yeah. uh, and I was all depressed and shit. And I just, and it was her, it was my ex's birthday that it happened on. It happened on her birthday. You're like happy birthday. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, Did it yeah. Affect her at all? It, 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 no, it didn't. Uh, no, she worked. She's a, <laughs> she was she worked in the suburbs. But but it but like I'm watching. And I'm like, uh, of course this is gonna happen on her birthday because she made it happen. It's she did it. Yeah, you know, I was blaming her. <laughs> it's so sure. appropriate. It's so appropriate that millions of people and there's millions of dollars worth of damage that have been affected by this because it happened on this this girl's birthday because she's evil. You know. And I just thought that because mm-hmm. she broke up with me like mm-hmm. a normal person would. You, right. you normally, what you would do is, that no, the, the, the right decision, Esmeralda, is to break up with me. I just want people to know that, that she made the right decision. So, but I was mad. But yeah, no, I just remember it because I watched it. I was all depressed and it was her birthday and it, you know, and we had broken up about three months earlier and I was still pining, you know. And mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. I was laying on the couch and it was her birthday and I, you know, and I wanted to call. I was like, oh, should I call her? It's her birthday. It'll be an excuse for me to talk to her. You know, that shit. And then wow. I get completely distracted by all this crazy flooding shit that was happening in the loop, like live. We were watching it. It was insane. Completely insane. But yeah, can you imagine that? Like thousands of people crossing that bridge, crossing all the bridges. Like we got to get out of the loop. It's like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? Completely insane. It was April 13th, 1992. That's when it happened. April 13th, 1992 mm. is, is the flood. They should have a goddamn train dedicated to that. Don't you? <laughs> And it's just flooded. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, what about what about other waiting in water? No, no, Esmeralda. Are there? Okay, this is a, this is a, a thing. This will be fun to to bring up. Okay, what what kind of themed trains would you like? Now we both don't give a shit about the Christmas themed train, Santa train, holiday train. Mm-hmm. What kind of themed trains, you know, would be would you, would you find amusing? Like, you know, like whatever, whatever we could do. Like, you know, like, I'll, well, what I would think would be very, very pretty. And I don't yeah. know how long it could last on a train, though, would be for spring. The train just covered in flowers and like moss or grass or something like that. Could you okay. imagine? Yeah. Yeah. It's so pretty. <laughs> so there you go. That's what Esmeralda wants. We'll put that into the Metro. We'll put that request into the Metro and the CTA. We want the spring. Yeah, it might work better maybe on a on a Metro. I don't know. I always feel like people just mess with stuff on the CTA way easier than on a metro. They do. No, they do. It's a, it is it's it literally it's night and day. I mean, I'm not kidding. It's not and the metro trains are not like I mean they're in, they're in, they're in really I mean can, compared to the CTA trains, they're oh, yeah. a, they're, they're a fucking Maserati. You know what I mean? Like they're it's yeah. like you are in the Ritz when you're on the metro trains. And the metro trains yeah. are just like normal. There's nothing fancy Will you about get them. Yelled? Like you'll get yelled at if you put your feet on the seat. They do, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. There and and oh, they you do. can't like you can't mess stuff up in there. Yeah, and there's a quiet train, and they're serious about it. Like when you get on the quiet oh, train. Oh yeah. They, and they're oh, serious. Yeah. Like if you have your you, if you have your headphone, you know what? And, and I know that this is like a common thing that you see on the train, or I see on the train that we experience on the train or the bus or whatever. W- w- put your fucking earbuds in. How about these people who get on the train and they're blasting shit out of their phone? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't understand it. What's your I'm fucking like, If you don't have any, sorry, you cannot listen. Yeah, <laughs> you are but not the, it happens all the time. It, and then people, and again, of course, oh, I yeah. mean, obviously people taking, you know, phone calls. I'm, I'm sitting next to somebody on the train. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. you like yelling. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> I get on a bus or a train and even if I'm with somebody, 
I'm just like I'm talking. I I talk much louder. I me too. Me too. I don't really. Yeah. I don't talk too loud. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I'm in a library. Like I I just no. try not to talk too loud. Well, you, really... you and I have ridden buses and trains together on several occasions, and that's how we both. <laughs> That's how we communicate. Mm-hmm. There's no screaming. You just don't talk too loud. No. Exactly. Or you don't talk. It's that simple. You're right. on the track. I want to make this as quickly and as quietly as possible because I have to mm-hmm. ride this thing. I'm not choosing to ride. It's not like, hey, what do you want to do today? Oh, I think I'll ride the train. I think I'll ride the CTA. Let's get on the today. Let's just ride the brown line. You don't just decide to do that. You do exactly. that because you need to do it because you have to get somewhere. <laughs> you know? Yep. God. Damn. Unless, of course, it's... But, okay, so the you know, so the spring flowery mossy train is what has... Yes. Yeah. Yes. How about, like, uh, for sports fans, what about, like, the beginning of baseball season, you have the baseball train? Or the oh, beginning there you of... you go. I'm amazed be- they don't have that already for going I, to... I mean, especially since it's all on one line. You would think the red the line. Cubs and the Sox. Yeah, that's the red line. You can take... You can... I, I, I don't know how many times you say it's the... You know, you go to a red line double hit, double header because if there's a home game at, at Comiskey or whatever the fuck, cell... No, it's not even called the cell anymore. Bank, trank, bank... Uh, what the fuck is it called? Equal pay? Bank, the... What the hell is it called? <laughs> guaranteed rate. It is. Guaranteed yes, rate. Guaranteed yeah. rate. <laughs> so if there's a game at guaranteed rate and a game at Wrigley, they call that the red line double header. Mm-hmm. So that's where you would think you would have at baseball season, you would have a Cubs and a Sox train, you know? Mm-hmm. I would make, yeah, and then they could have like maybe like they a do. Santa. They would have some <laughs> some old players. Right. Some, yeah. Yeah, Pete Rose sitting in the back somewhere just signing autographs. Uh, yeah. or making or or placing Pete bets Rose, or yeah. placing bets for you. He's sitting in the back placing bets for you. Right. But maybe they do and maybe we just don't know about it. Maybe they do have a Cubs train and a Sox train that they run at the beginning of the season and maybe I just wasn't aware of it. Um maybe maybe they do. Maybe. Um, I mean, cuz the red line that would make sense. That would be a great promotion, you know. Um uh, uh, you know, like right, right at the beginning of baseball season, or maybe they did when the Cubs were in the World Series. They had like a special train to celebrate it in 2015, or when the maybe. Sox. Maybe I mean, the, you know, the Sox were in the World I Series think, in 2005, so maybe then I don't know. I mean, I think if they were to do that, they would just have um, like stickers or whatever. You know how um, they'll sticker the outside of it. They'll do like that wraparound thing. Oh yeah, there you go. That's probably what they did. Yeah. And they did That's do probably that. Probably all they did. No, they did do that. I remember they did do that because actually, there's a picture. Uh, my dad took a picture outside of uh, a bus that was wrapped in the you know yeah. uh, 2016 World Champion Cubs thing. So yeah, they did do that. But I'm saying all the lights, the craziness, blasting music, having you know, and then like people drunk because you want to if you want the full experience, you got to have people drunk. You know, of course, yeah. yeah. People drunk, and you have to have the people who are drunk who have no idea what the rules of baseball are, who are just there because they want to get drunk. You know, you, you want to have that. <laughs> so you could drink on the train. Yeah, Is get that loaded what you're... on the train. Get loaded on the train <laughs> and not pay attention, oh. not pay attention to what the you know what the count is right now because they're not they don't know. Oh God. Yeah. Or what stop you're at? Oh no. No idea. Just like where are we going? And they get off at the wrong stop and fuck them because then they got to find their way home because they're drunk. So, but yeah, so. <laughs> So that's a, that's a so a sports themed CTA bus or train that might be a big one here in Chicago. How about like a mm-hmm. hey mm-hmm. Chicago style hot dog train where you can buy Chicago style oh. hot dogs? You imagine I the mean, you imagine the smell on that? You're technically not allowed to eat on the trains or buses. So <laughs> technically, 
technically. You're also not allowed to sleep and piss on them, but that doesn't stop everybody from doing True. that. True. Or gamble. You're not yeah, allowed which to I, gamble. I wasn't aware that that was, because that's still on the announcements when they make the announcements, mm-hmm. and it is, it, you know, and there are signs. I wasn't aware that gambling was that big an issue. I mean, maybe back in, I don't even know, like maybe back in the 60s and 70s it was a thing. When was the last time, and you ride the CTA frequently, when was the last time that you saw gambling happening on the CTA? Um, I think it's been a few years, but I remember somebody trying to pull a fast one on people where they were doing like the shell game. It, it might have been. Yeah. The, car, the, been card, like the, card, the card game, the three three card Monty thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah, actually yeah. had like the what is it called when they have the person pretend uh, the 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 decoy or the yeah the partner yeah, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and in my head I'm just like really yeah you're Do gonna you fall for this shit stupid yeah. people are though Esmeralda people are they're still like oh hi I would like to try the game yeah yeah the oh, person that's cl- that clearly is the partner of the of the shuckster you know yeah 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 it's just too much like it's just yeah. scripted it's it just sounds so fake that was like, you need I'll tell to you find something yourself a better decoy I think I'll tell you something Esmeralda <laughs> that was because uh, I, I I used to go to New York pretty regularly in the 80s and 90s. And that was a thing. Every other fucking block, there were two guys that were working that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this yeah. is amazing. You're, oh, you found my card. That's amazing. Hey, you should check this out, dude. This guy just found my card. Like, fuck off, man. You know what I mean? Like, you're clearly working with this dude. You guys are going to split the money, you know, afterwards. Right. Which you know. is like, you know what? Fine. You do yeah. it. But, I mean, at least get somebody you can act. Yeah. No, some of these guys are just terrible. And then they split the Especially- money and go see, you know. They'd go see cats I mean, like, or something. But yeah. I'm thinking, like, living in the city, there's so many actors you could get. Come yeah, on. That's right. There are so many starving actors who were like, yeah, I can't pay my right? rent. I'll, I'll just Come go. On. I'll, I'll just be. I'll just be the second banana in a three-card Monty thing on the train. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'll do. I can't what is my bo- motivation? I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't seem to book a Chicago fire, so I may as well be the... <laughs> The partner to somebody on a goddamn train doing the three card Monty to mm-hmm. people, from, you know, the mm-hmm. people from Schomburg, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Uh, well, all right. So, we, so maybe, maybe they should just have it. What about this, Esmeralda? Hmm. They should put us in charge of the of the CTA. Um, oh God. Well, have, you know, well, I do better than they are now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, if we were in charge of the CTA, there would be a train just for Esmeralda and a train just for Nick, so that we can have mm-hmm. our. We can go whenever we want. But beside that, maybe there should just be one day a month that where it's just the train is a fucking free-for-all. So do your three-card Monty, talk on the phone, blast your music, ask for, you know, like <laughs> panhandle all you want, piss so on every... Free, co- yeah, free-for-all. Yeah. Like, you know, um... It's like it's the purge train. You know what I mean? Like, you know... Right. Gonna... <laughs> just no murder. We cannot murder. No murdering. But Everything what, you know. else. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think we've come up with I'd a be winner. I'm curious how many people would ride that train. <laughs> I think we come. I'd say that, I think we come up with a winner. I think we have. I'll tell you what. The purge. The, the closest thing we get to a purge train is on New Year's Eve when the shit's free. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> That's the closest. It's a penny. Yeah, it's I like, like a, that they can't just give it away. Right. Like they it's can't a, just say it's free. It's a penny. It's, a penny. Yeah. it's like okay. Because you know we all carry pennies around with us so often now. You know. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't get to the topic we were supposed to get to, Esmeralda. <laughs> no, no. But but the holiday trains, and we came up with some ideas. I, I Feel free, by the way, if anybody who works at CTA or the Metro is listening to this, feel mm-hmm. free to take our ideas, right, Esmeralda? 
Yeah. Exactly. We've got but the. Please we, credit us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Credit us for the purge train. That's the one that we really want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if any listeners have yeah. any ideas. That's right. Any ideas? Leave them. 773 417 6948. That's the voicemail number. Or email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe my dad has some ideas. I don't know. But let's see because he's got a joke he's going to tell. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Yeah. Here we go. All right. My dad tells a joke every Tuesday. Um, so let's hear what he's got. All right, Dad, here we go. The other day I saw a burglar breaking into his own house. I guess he's working from home. Oh, jeez. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wow. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. That's right. He told the joke. Uh, I guess that's a that's a timely one because everybody works from home. You know, post COVID, there are so many more people working. My my right. girlfriend, my girl, my girlfriend works from home. Uh, so yeah, so now burglars are working from home. Okay, cool. You got to be timely with your jokes, or no gotta one's going to be into it. Exactly right. Uh, all right, thank you, Dad, uh, for telling that joke. Thank you guys for listening again. Voicemail seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. Anything you want to say, email nickdpodcast at gmail You want to be a sponsor? You should do it. Advertise with us. Lots of people listen to this podcast. Write us sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and the sound and all that craziness. My thanks to Ed Silla and everybody at Radio Misfits. My thanks to you. Please share, rate, review all that stuff. Uh, and uh, my thanks to Dan Feinberg uh, for uh, checking in, and we'll talk to him uh, in a couple of weeks as well. And on the next podcast, I'm very excited. Michael Phillips, film critic from the Chicago Tribune, is going to join me. I've never had Michael on my podcast. Mm. And uh, we're going to talk about some year-end movie stuff, and, uh, and we're going to talk about the year 1977. And we'll get, I'll, I'll tell you why, because we've over the, over the, uh, the past like six months or so, for some reason, Michael and I have discovered that the year 1977... Uh, we sh- we share a lot. We have a lot in common about the movies that came out that year. So we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that. I don't know why. But anyway, as to thank you. You rule. Oh, thank you. And we'll see you next time again. Michael Phillips will be on, on the next uh, podcast, and we hope you join us as well. It's Nick D. And uh, thanks, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast at Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The wind is red on me. Mm-hmm.